0: Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is
1: Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go. We are the Satellite Sisters. Welcome to the show. This is Liz Dolan in Santa Monica, California. It is Sunday, March 3rd. I just got to say one thing I learned this week. No more IKEA meatballs for me. Uh, But but joining me on the line and this is kind of a surprise duo, duet, whatever, both of them in Dallas, Texas. Julie Dolan, of course, you are there upstairs in your home, correct?
0: No, no, no just the opposite. I'm downstairs. We're doing Downton Abbey, Liz. Okay. Uh, and, um, so you're the
1: downstairs sister? <laughs>
0: I am playing the role of Anna, and uh, Lady Mary, that would be a sis- uh, Sister Leon, is upstairs. But I'm going up shortly to brush her hair and lay out her clothes for the evening event,
2: <laughs> which we do have, Liz. I've been here so often over the last three weeks. I've actually been invited to a neighborhood party tonight. Yes, <laughs> <Nice. laughs>
1: yes. Well, there has been a lot of Dallas activity for you lately. But you're you're back again this week, two weeks in a row. You have some kind of gig tomorrow, I know. But uh, so, how's it working out there, Julie? Julie's place. You
2: know, Julie has first of all just I am speaking at the Dallas Junior League on Tuesday. I'm really looking forward to this. This was something that I set up probably nine months ago with Julie's help. I thought it would be fun to take a little spring break here in Dallas, not really knowing that I would be here most of the month of January and <laughs> <laughs> in February. But I'm happy to be back. And you know why, Liz? Because Julie provides excellent concierge services here at her home.
1: <laughs> I have noticed that. Thank you. Yes, Thank you. When I was there a couple weeks ago, I had a delightful guest suite.
2: Now, here's just a list of some of the services that Julie has provided to me over the last three weeks. Three visits in three weeks. I, I, the airport shuttle is brilliant. Yeah, nice. Uh, because they have a special application, on an app on their phone that actually can track your flight. So they know exactly where you're coming in and when you're coming in. Mm -hmm. So if you're early like I was today, the airport shuttle is there for you. There's always a welcome coffee, Liz, and a manager's reception later this afternoon. (laughs) Um, the room service is 100% barefoot Contessa. Since I've been here last week, we had a spectacular pasta dish on my one night and I arrived and I was, I wasn't in the house 10 minutes and Julie put a salmon and bacon sandwich in front of me.
1: That is nice. <laughs> yes.
0: Barefoot Contessa. Yes.
2: What's well, your main uh,
0: meal, Liam? Your main meal. Yeah, You
2: may be the only meal
0: th- during this trip.
2: I'll take it. B- BC, I'll take it. And then uh, we, she's already booked me some spa services for this afternoon <laughs> and given me some restaurant recommendations for lunch tomorrow. So
1: That is a full concierge <laughs> menu of services. I am she's, impressed.
2: Five out of five. Five out of five stars here at Julie's house.
1: You know, it's funny, Julie, because the other night I got into my – I was away all week. I got home late Friday night. I got into my bed, and you know how comfy your own bed is when you get back into your own bed after being gone for a bunch of nights in a row. But even as I was getting into my super comfy bed, I had the thought, the sheets Julie has on her bed in the guest bedroom are so much more comfortable than these. <laughs> and I, I don't think it's a thread count issue. Are those sheets actually linen or something? It's just like, Leon, are you in the blue room? Yes. No. And they,
2: you're right, Liz. They're amazing sheets.
1: <laughs> I don't know what they're made of, but they're nice. I
0: think it's cotton. There's 100% cotton sheets. <laughs> they're just thick
1: cotton. Yeah, sheet. they're super thick. Anyway, so five out of five. Nice. So you guys have actual neighborhood events today? <laughs> Yeah, we well, are going I'm, to a cocktail party. Very nice, <laughs> very nice. So, Julie, will you be seeing Leanne around to all of her events over the course of her visit?
0: No, actually, the, you might find this a little surprising. I'm not actually going to hear Leanne speak. I had intended to, but as you, you know, this is exactly what happens. As as anyone who's listened to the show in the last six months no we haven't really done too many things other than take care of our parents but wouldn't you know it the one day that Leon is in town i also have been invited at the exact same time to go to a fashion show luncheon that is a benefit for my granddaughter's school i'm going with i'm going with my um daughter-in-law and it was a hard choice but here here's how how it broke down first of all I kind of have some idea what leon 's going to say in the speech, even though <laughs> even though i don 't really know you know, know what your topic is leon, but i 've heard your material, so I, I feel feel pretty confident about that, but more importantly i 'm I'm going with my daughter in law because this she is If you've listened to this show, my daughter-in-law grew up in Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan. Um, and she is a Russian, you know, a Russian nationality. Um, and so things like going to, you know, the grammar school fashion lunch show fundraiser. This, you know, it's like she has no idea, like, what these events are. And it's not that my daughter-in-law is not capable and she could go fine to this by herself or with a friend. But I sometimes like to act as the cultural attache, Liz.
1: (laughs) I can understand that. Yeah. I mean, I would need a cultural attache in Dallas, Texas. (laughs)
0: Right. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm not even, yes, maybe Dallas, and that's, it does seem like, you know, it's a a whole culture in and of itself. But it's, if I, I put myself in the position, like, what if I had to go to some ladies event in Kyrgyzstan? It's not like I couldn't do it by myself, but it sure would be a lot more fun and a lot more comfortable if my daughter-in-law took me to that event. So that's kind of how I, I, felt like the need was greater there to go with the do- my daughter-in-law, you know, because this is, you know, this is all new. They don't have fun. They don't, they, in the Soviet Union, they didn't have fundraisers. It's, right? <laughs> I thought you were going to say they didn't have fun, and which is also true. Fun. That's fun. It was just school. The parents never showed up. I mean, it was just, uh, you know. I'm just that,
1: imagining the concept of a fashion show in mm-hmm. the Soviet Union when Vera was growing up. That's hard to imagine.
0: Yes. So that, so it just... I mean, it's things like this where if you just have, no, you know, we take it for granted that you know what a school auction is or a pep rally or, you know, anything that might go on in a normal, you know, or in, in, a, you know, an American school. But if you've never done it, you just, you know, it's just you don't know what you're getting yourself into. So so that's what I'm doing. So I'm not going to hear Leanne, but I feel like I'm, gonna, I'm doing something that will be very helpful for my daughter-in-law.
2: Okay. She is dropping me off, though, Liz. She is dropping me off. Uh, she's already secured a spot in a cafe where I can kill an hour before the speech, and then she'll pick me up at the cafe afterwards. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, that's all that really matters. <laughs> but,
0: right, because we don't want Liam like, hanging around at the Junior League. Like, you don't want her just... <laughs> that's
2: hey, uh, that's the speaking of, yeah, speaking of out of context, no, I can handle it. I have done speeches at Junior Leagues before. Think I'm in good shape
1: here.
0: Yeah. All right, so- you definitely, I want Leanne to be able to make her own entrance and her own exit. So, uh, <laughs> she's able to be in control of that if she's hanging out at the cafe next to the Junior League. Thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All but, right. Well, Julie, the thing that everyone, everyone has wanted to know on the Satellite Sisters Facebook group page, in the last couple of days, you know, we have had many, many, many postings asking for your take on Dennis Rodman's trip to North Korea. The world wants to know what Julie Dolan thinks of this.
0: I know, because I am one of the few people, I'm now in a very elite group with Dennis Rodman (laughs) because we've actually been to North Korea, right?
1: Right. Okay, there's a sentence I never thought I would hear Julie say. Yeah, I'm in a group with Dennis Rodman.
0: (laughs) I'm gonna be invited to some elite summit with uh, people to (laughs) just North Korea. Me, Dennis Rodman. There are a couple, you know, a couple, just a couple people like that. So, I, you know, it was amazing to me. But first of all, because I, I hope I'm not wrong on this, but Dennis Rodman is pretty much over, right? I mean, he was yes. like big star maybe 20 years ago, right?
1: Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that's that's just about how weird North Korea is. That they would invite like some 20 year old, you know, 20 some. Some has-been basketball celebrity star that has too many tattoos, like, to have him be the, you know, the big, um, VIP guest in their country. Uh, so, I mean, that, that, that's, I remember hearing that when Madeleine Albright went to visit North Korea, that Kim Jong, Jong-il, uh, the father of the current, um, the current prime minister, he wanted to talk to Madeleine Albright about the Walt Disney movie, The Apple Dumpling Gang. <laughs> I mean, <it's> just, <laughs> it's just, You're right; it's a cultural warp. It's just a so it's just a weird place, and they have weird tastes. So it made a lot of sense that they would select Dennis Rodman, you know, to be their VIP guest. I guess Kim Jong Un, the son has an interest in basketball and, has, you know, is a big basketball fan, and so he invited him. But I, I don't just... And now the thought that Dennis Rodman, like, knows more than many CIA analysts about <laughs> Jong-un. Like, he's had more face time with this new dictator. You know, this guy has, a nuclear, has nuclear weapons, you know, and that we are going to have to ask Dennis Rodman for uh, advice about what to do.
1: Well, that is interesting, because wouldn't you expect that when he gets back to the United States, they would have to debrief him, right? Somebody's going to have to, like, go ask his opinion on what was the guy like.
0: Well, I read somewhere that the State Department is trying to distance themselves from Dennis Rodman.
1: (laughs) Can't you just see, like, our new Secretary of State, John Kerry, trying to, like, get the scoop from Dennis Rodman?
0: (laughs) I just want to know that the State Department never contacted me. I have, they, have, they have always kept their distance from me, I so, uh, don't know.
1: Well, that's, that's their mistake, because you came across, you had some great insights into North Korea that all of our satellite sisters have enjoyed in the several years since you made that trip. And, and I suspect Dennis Rodman is not going to have as complete a report on, uh, on North Korea as you did. It was just so shocking to see that, wasn't it? The picture of the two of them courtside is just crazy. Yes.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's, it's funny. It's going to be on all the late night talk shows. You know, there, everybody's laughing or having some fun with the, the weird humor of it. But you have to remember that he is a dictator, that he has thousands of people in concentration camps, that people are starving to death in this country. You know, it is a human rights disaster. And they have new, nu- you know, some nuclear capability. So that, so, you know, he's crazy like a fox. He's crazy just like his father, you know, in terms of having this big media campaign. And, you know, we're all ha-ha-ha, he's so weird, but but not for Mm -hmm. the people who have to live under his tyranny.
1: Okay. Excellent reminder, Julie. Thank you. (laughs) tyranny. Right. When you start throwing around words like tyranny, it provides a little bit of perspective that was lacking in our coverage of of this event. Thank you.
0: And, you know, if it wasn't bad enough that Dennis Rodman is now our chief analyst for North Korea, (laughs) it was a terrible week for women in the workforce, wouldn't you say, Liz and Leon? I mean, first, Yahoo's announcement that there's going to be no more working from home, that everybody has to come in to work, okay? So, that, you know, has set feminists back, set feminists on fire, that all, all, you know, that the flex time, the whole idea of the work-life balance, it's over, according to Yahoo, okay? Yeah,
1: but I have a, I have a point of view on that, like, I... I can understand why for the CEO of Yahoo, a, country that's been circli- a company that's been circling the drain for a while, she's trying to figure out how to like get things going again. So trying to make some radical moves, I get that. I question the assumption that people are inherently more productive sitting at the office. Um, But they may be inherently more productive in certain ways. I mean, she has a group of employees that are just like utterly demoralized and uncreative and all of that. So I kind of get what she's trying to like spark a whole culture change there. But I think what you can't have is everyone's required to be at their desk from 9 to 6 every day. And then, oh, by the way, you also expect them to be on email at night and early morning and on the weekends. And they're supposed to be able to take your calls whenever you want, no matter where they are. That's the stuff that doesn't work for me. I mean, I know that there's the whole childcare issue, which people have gotten really, really mad about. I've never personally had to deal with childcare in my life, but I do deal all the time with this idea that like work is just encroaching into every second of your day and night, every day of the week. So you want me to sit at my desk for, you know, eight hours, five days a week, in a way, it would be a relief <laughs> if, you would, <laughs> if you would just stop calling me and stop emailing me for, for the rest of the time. You know what I mean, Joel? I totally
0: agree Liz. I kind of saw this as a stunt myself uh, because again, Yahoo, okay, it's it's like AOL, right? In fact, I had an old Yahoo email email account that I had to get rid of because I read in some magazine that it made you seem older if you had a Yahoo email <laughs> account. Like you were so, it was like AOL and Yahoo. You're so over the hill. So I, I see this as some kind of stunt. Like now everybody's talking about Yahoo again. It's, you know, so that was very effective. But I do think they're like two kinds of women. There's, you know, the CEO of Yahoo, Marissa Mayer. Do I, is that how you say uh, pronounce her uh-huh. last name? Uh, Marissa, I mean, she lives at the Four Seasons Hotel. She, okay, th- I knew I was I would not... love that.
1: I would totally I know you love would... that.
0: <laughs> I know, but Liz, I knew... That like she was a, a woman from a different planet. She did not grow up on the same planet as uh, as me. Wh- or or as, uh, when when I found out that she only took two weeks off after having her child. Okay, it's like I know what I was like at week two with my first child. And there's no way I was like heading back into the workforce. I was just trying to make it to the mailbox at the end of the street, you know. So she's just she's from a different planet. She operates in a different fashion. Um, but there are a lot of women that really kind of needed, like, the flexibility of working from home. I mean, uh, I've done that. I've tried every work work style, Liz. You know, I yes, work you I know. I've worked full time I've worked part-time, I've telecommuted, I've commuted, I've, I've done it all. So I, I mean I under I understand the need for having some flexibility. So that's that's a pity. It so just that- it
1: just seems so crazy to me. The problem here is the like one size fits all. It's so the idea that you would run a company by just having like, okay, everybody sit at your desk for as long as you can during these hours and like obviously that's not the issue. The issue is unproductive employees, uncreative employees, unmotivated employees. So Like, getting to that, and it just seems so counter to common sense that here's the thing you want to do. You want to pull the rug out from under highly motivated, particularly working mothers who are doing the best they can, you know, giving you all these extra hours because you give them the flexibility, that you would pull the rug out from under those people in an attempt to improve employee morale does seem a little bit foolish.
0: But I would have to say, I agree, Liz, but I'd have to say sort of the criticisms of Marissa Meyer have been outrageous. You know, they've been liking, I mean, Maureen Dowd said, called her like Stalin, you know. And this same week, there was a giant article in the Wall Street Journal about the queen bee syndrome. And this is the idea that women in power try to keep other women down, that in fact that they bully other women in organizations, uh, particularly women who have achieved success and power in formerly male-dominated fields, such as high-tech. So, I mean, the, Mar- Marissa's name was not mentioned in the article, but the timing of it was just... <laughs> so this is what women have become in the workplace, Liz. The queen bees, just <laughs> keeping other women down. But And they had some incredible statistics that 80% of the women that in the workforce believe they've been bullied by other female employees or female bosses.
1: I think that is totally bogus. Can I just say? I do, too. I I, agree. I'm shocked at that. Yeah. I I can't
2: think of one instance where I've been bullied.
1: Yeah. Or Or, or, I just don't think I've been bullied any more by women than by men. You know, the right. bo- bosses tend to be bullies, people. That's why they're the boss. That's how they like, they bully their way to the top, a lot of bosses. I don't know. Leanne, finish your thoughts. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I'm i just,
2: yeah, I, would, I was just about to say the same thing. Like, I don't think women are any different than men in that they're rotten co-workers and rotten bosses. I don't think it divides up against uh, lines of, of, you know, which sex you are.
1: Also, Julie, it's that, if that article had been published 20 years ago, I might have been tempted to buy that theory because there was much more of just like a token woman at the top and it was super competitive between the women because they were only going to let one of you get ahead, right? There was going to be one woman on the board, one woman One in the woman board.
0: in those bow ties, floppy yeah. bow yeah. ties. Yes. Yeah. Right.
1: So, so the, it, they did pit women against each other because you kind of knew that only one of you was likely to get ahead because once they had one, then they could check that box and they could move on. They could just go back to their lives. But that is so not true in most businesses now. Maybe high tech is a little bit different because it is still so male dominated, but I totally don't buy that. I look at someone like Sheryl Sandberg at Facebook and she actually seems, I know she's getting her share of bad publicity this week too, but she seems like someone who is such a supporter of women um, in high-tech in Silicon Valley and just in general women getting satisfaction out of their life and their work so and remember like on Satellite Sisters a number of times we had Ann Moore on who was the CEO of Time Inc and so she was one of those classic you know the first woman ever to run all of the Time magazines but she could not have been more supportive of women in the workplace particularly working mothers you know that I mean she was incredibly supportive of that frequently talked about that on our show. So yes, yeah, she I...
2: said working mothers were the ones that are the first there. They don't waste any time. They don't take two-hour lunches. Right. They're super efficient at work. She said they were constantly her best employees, constantly. Yes. So I think it's a high-tech field because, again, you're probably still
0: allowed to bring your dog to work at Yahoo. <laughs> you just can't bring your child, okay? <laughs> so I-, I think there's something wrong in the universe, okay? That's all I'm saying. <laughs>
2: You know what's weird is that with all this talk about, like, don't work at home, you know, I work at home and not by choice, really. I'd love to have someplace to go. And that was never more evident to me than yesterday when I went to my husband's office. Now, he works in real estate, and his company is making this major transition to the, quote, office of the future. And this is a pretty staid company where people have offices and there are cubicles, offices, cubicles. You know, you've been in a million office buildings like that, but they're going with a totally open floor plan. No offices for anybody. None of the executives. Completely paperless office. Liz, I walked into his offices yesterday. They had a purge party last week. There is not a single sheet of paper. Okay. This is a real estate company. No. This is a real estate company that issues like 400-page reports. Gone, nothing. No one has a single sheet of paper, and then they make this big move where they're they're not offices, Liz anymore. They're neighborhoods. Neighborhoods. You know, they're all moving to neighborhoods. That sounds so friendly. Neighborhoods, Liz. It does. And you know they just have big tables where you plug in your laptop, but every day you have to sit someplace different. And there are tech pods, and there are this pods and that pods, and Liz. I saw the most amazing display of sample office furniture. I almost started to cry because I thought about my basically piece of crap home office. That is like, what pieces of furniture don't we want? We'll put them in the office, you know? (laughs) Oh, that old IKEA dining table, that's now my desk, you know? And we bought the two chairs at Office Max. We got two chairs for 50 bucks, Liz. So you know those are good chairs that I have. (laughs) (laughs) And like, and so... There, you know, of course, in the office of the future, Liz, there are going to be desks, but Liz, the desks go up and down. You really? press a button. So if you want to stand up for a good portion of your day, which is so much better for you, you can stand up and then you can lower your desk down, Liz. And then they had, um, of course, they're having the desks on treadmills. Those will be other desk options available p- for people. So every day or every other day, you can't have the same desk every day. You can get on a treadmill. They even had this like, bouncy pillow thing that I'm going to get to wash the dishes because it's a core workout, Liz, when you're moving your (laughs) desk up and down. And even, like, Lian, you do
0: already work standing up in your kitchen on the counter. I think that's where you do
2: most of your writing. I don't see the difference. I know. that's That is true. I just want the bouncy pillow thing. But I'm like, but I have to I don't get to move the counter up and down, Jill. I have to go upstairs to sit down and downstairs to stand up. And you know, the most amazing thing about the office of the future was the lighting. Really? So, par- yes. Cause part of the office of the future is it's all about wellness. You know oh. that you want to keep your employees happy and healthy. That's why you have, you can stand up. You- Sit down, you can move around, you can communicate. It's supposed to spark interaction and creativity and all the, and, and basically a lot of angst from the employees who don't want to move to the office of the future at all. I uh, was just
1: I, imagining that. People don't want to go to the future.
2: They don't. And my husband is the only one that wants to go to the future, Liz. So they put him on every committee. He's on, like, the digitization committee, the health and wellness committee, he's on the office furniture committee. He's so psyched for the office of the future. <laughs> His, his life would be better if it was paperless in every single way, Liz. He would love to be paperless. That's so, so funny
1: because he was the last person I know in my entire world to get a cell phone, right? He, he resisted that true, for a long but, time, but now he's fully gone there, huh? He he resisted Liz
2: for the reason you said. He didn't want people calling him at ten AM on Saturday morning.
1: Yeah, yeah. You
2: know, it was less about that. But now he's gonna be in the office of the future <laughs> all the time,
0: Leon. Standing up, sitting down. It's not about wellness, it's just stamina. They
2: want them at work more hours. Here is the the lighting thing, Julie. It's the circadian rhythm lighting. So they turned it on. First of all, you could see everything, which is more than I can see in my (laughs) again. My office is like I you know, here's the lamp I had in college and I guess I'll open the blinds. You know, that's the circadian lighting. Yeah, your task lighting. And believe me, it gets even worse in the closet do the podcast. So I I didn't ever want to leave the Office of the Future list. Maybe Marissa Mayer should get those people at Yahoo, some treadmill desks, and some circadian lighting.
1: You know, I'm thinking, Leanne, as you described this, and that uh, essentially everyone will be potentially in a different place every day depending on their mood or their task or whether they're doing something more technical. You might be able to just slide in on most days. <laughs> just just set yourself up here one day, there one day. It might take them months before they even realized that you were not an employee there. You could just start as a drop-in program. See if you could uh, test the system a little bit. I think inasmuch as your husband is on all of these committees. All the committees. Maybe you could be like a mystery shopper. You know how they hire mystery shoppers to like go to stores and then assess the customer service? You could be the mystery office worker assessing the office of the future and then just you know, send your husband an email about your findings.
2: Yeah, I, just, I like it. I want to move right into the neighborhood. That's all I can say. <laughs> and you know, one interesting note, I know we have to move on, but about just like who goes to the office. They, because it's the office of the future, they've done all these studies. Like how many of these workstations are we really going to need if everyone doesn't have a desk? And their average occupancy, like on a day-to-day basis, 72% of the workers are in the office. The other 30%, you know, they're in real estate. So sometimes they're driving around or sometimes they're working from home or sometimes they're out with clients. But that's what it is. But they're all getting work done. Yeah. So it's not, you know, it's not. But, yeah, they, they're resistant. But I would love to live there. Hum- um, human
1: nature being what it is, this is my prediction. And you can report back in six months. People are going to sit in the same place every day. I know. Gonna, oh, people, I know. The same people. It's like the high school lunchroom, right? Yep. And before you know it, people will just have established their power base in one section or the other, and they will create their own neighborhoods. But that's okay, too. That's okay, too.
2: I think there. I think there's um, some. I think there's someone tasked to that. Probably my husband to make sure that that doesn't happen. But um, I, so, okay. Here's one thing I would not want to do though. Um, there was a, an independent foundation run by that billionaire Dennis Tito, that space nut Dennis Tito. Um, that space
1: they, nut. <laughs>
2: I think. I think that's the term. Yeah. Um, they want to send uh, two people to Mars. Okay, you get to go, you don't get to land on Mars. You just get to go to Mars, circle around and come back, okay? And they want to send two people to Mars. It's a 501-day trip. But their big idea was to send a married couple. Oh. And I think I think this is a huge mistake. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't uh, on, mean, on how many levels?
2: Well, I mean, it's just the Bickersons go to Mars. Is that really what you want? <laughs> I, I mean, that's going to be a pod. It's going to be small. I can't imagine anything worse than going to Mars with my husband. I think they should get two complete strangers. They can get there, get to know each other. Whatever happens, happens. And then by the time they break up, they're home. That, <laughs> that's what I think. And what happens in Mars stays in Mars, (laughs) Leah.
1: Well, it might be a bad idea in real life, but it could be the sitcom you pitch next season, Leah. Just think about it from that perspective.
2: Okay, Liz, I can't believe you just said that. Because speaking of the sitcom I pitched last season, the New York Times had this big article this week. You know, the fake trends in the New York Times that we often report on It Satellite Sisters. Oh, real estate trend. Siblings living together. Okay? Siblings living together.
1: That's a trend.
2: Apparently. Like, I don't know. The Dolans have been doing it for 30 years. So the idea. You get out of college and you go move in for, with your sister. Okay, apparently that's called a trend now. And um, what's shocking is that when I did pitch my Satellite Sister sitcom last year, which I switched to uh, Sweeney Family Rules, it was about, like, four siblings living with each other in New York City in their 20s. Mm-hmm. And now the New York Times calls it a trend. I should have pitched it this year. Damn it. But... Uh, one of the reasons, there are a couple reasons they say siblings are good um, roommates, and then we can discuss this. First of all is you you know each other well. You know each other's quirks. Mm-hmm. You don't mind living in a small New York apartment together because you're totally used to living with your siblings. Right. When, when you fight, you know, you do fight, but then you make up $20 minutes later because you have no choice. Uh, You understand your siblings' food issues, and there's just sort of a tacit idea that, yes, of course, if I eat the hummus, I will return the hummus. So I think those were all true when we all lived together in our many configurations in our 20s. -hmm. But here's one that we did not enjoy. Um, Apparently, part of the trend is that mom and dad you know, the kids are in their 20s. Mom and dad only have to write one rent check and one deposit check. Oh, I don't recall our mom and dad writing any of those.
1: <laughs> Not even the one for any of the eight of us. I don't, hmm. Well, it didn't no, there come. There was none of that. We, they never participated
0: in that trend. Yeah. I'm absolutely positively um, sure about that. But we mean, didn't the- have our own rooms. So we just had couches. <laughs> it was just, that was mainly but was, she was being shared. It wasn't really an apartment. You didn't, you didn't really get your own space. This, you make it sound like they're equal <laughs> roommates. There was no equality in a lot of these living arrangements. Right,
1: right. That's true. Brendan... Uh, did live on my living room couch for a year and a half in New York City. And I I believe Sheila lived on my living room couch in Brooklyn for a while. And then ultimately we came to blows over when she started putting talcum powder in my shoes at night. (laughs) (laughs) quirky (laughs) quirky I was willing to put up with a lot but for some reason that's what pushed me over the edge was that particular that particular task Julie yeah you've had loads of siblings in and out of your various homes in various cities because you've lived in some good places or you know people you were always very hospitable you and your husband
0: that's that's true, and I enjoy. No, it's good. There are benefits. There are definitely benefits, but I, there was no rent sharing I, I just, with any of the siblings. I don't. I don't recall that. Either. Oh, that
1: that's true. Not only was the money not coming from our parents, it was not coming from the younger sibling either. <laughs> well, the, the whole point you know. was that it was largely a free ride. Though Leon, you made some arrangements where you were swapping babysitting time, I believe. Yes,
2: yes, and pies. And pies. Yeah, with Julie when I lived with her in New Orleans. Liz, I lived with you in New York. It was a short time, but I feel like I contributed to your overall enjoyment of New York City. Even though when I, making uh, less than a thousand dollars a month in New York, um, I couldn't actually contribute anything to the bottom line. And then we lived together in Portland for a short time. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I took, I took the basement. Okay. And um, I kept Monica occupied and I think I did a pretty good job in the kitchen there. I think I did, I did, you know, provide some meals and things like that. But it was always fun. So I don't think it's a new trend. I think siblings have often lived together. So,
1: Well, maybe, so. maybe most siblings now have grown up having their own room, which, of course, we've never had. Oh. Um, so if you grow up in a smaller family, there's some chance that growing up you had your own room. So uh, oh. it might be shocking to all of a sudden live with a sibling <laughs> if you're 20-something and have never done it before.
2: So, okay, That's a good point. And I think it's interesting that Sheila's – roommate's situation lasted the the shortest amount of time. (laughs) I, I think there's no no surprise there (laughs) Uh,
1: oh can i can i just make a sheila note as long as she's come up in conversation we did get an email or a, a facebook post the other day saying that you're looking forward to hearing more of sheila on the podcast where has she been why doesn't Sheila come back she's just been today's sheila reason totally legitimate she had all of her report cards to work on today and then as if That was not enough. She claims she has laryngitis. Leon, I know she lives a short distance from you, and you do see her frequently. She works
0: really hard on these excuses, Liz. They're like (laughs) ironclad excuses. You know what I mean? I mean, there is no way you can say to Sheila, "Oh, come on, it's laryngitis." Mm -hmm. Just. I Just know, do a podcast,
2: up. Yeah, right? Yeah. So she works hard on these. You yeah. have to give her credit for creativity. And, I, had, was, I had a few drive-by sightings of Sheila this week, um, the last of which was on Friday when she said, I'm exhausted, I'm going home. So that was it.
1: Okay. All right. All good night. Whereas Monica's reason for not being able to participate, participate today was that she was going to dim sum with friends. Mm-hmm. So that's not even working very hard to come up with a good excuse. I mean, it's a perfectly legitimate excuse, but it's not... Um, at the store kind of thing like Sheila. So yeah. anyway, it is true.
2: We do the show on Sundays and, and sometimes your life gets in the way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's tough when people work hard all week and then you got to work on the weekends. Um, Tell it to Okay. Uh, one, <laughs> one last, speaking of things people have been writing in and asking about, I did want to provide just a brief report on Ferris Bueller Dolan, uh, my dog, because uh, regular listeners know that in September, Ferris was diagnosed with lymphoma, and things did not look good for a while. You guys saw Ferris during his darkest days this fall, didn't you?
2: Very grim. Very yeah. grim.
1: Very grim. Well, Ferris has rallied people. Ferris is back. I took him. He managed whatever, like there was some chemo. There were some other drugs he got. Anyway, his cancer appears to be in remission. That's what they said at the end of November. And I took him to the vet yesterday just to like, because he seems fantastic now, like fully back to his old self and took him to the vet yesterday. Not only has he gained back all the weight he lost when he was so sick, because you saw he got super scrawny there for a while. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well,
2: I, when we all tried cooking him chicken liver, so yeah. you were spending a lot of time in your apartment cooking food for
1: Ferris.
0: Yes, yeah, so. all uh... those home cooked meats. I mean, he's not back eating uh, dog kibble anymore, is he? He's still cooking oh, no, getting... the pavilion's chickens, aren't they? The rotisserie chickens and stuff?
1: He's literally eating anything I put in front of him, which is, he has never been that kind of dog. So he's gained back all of the weight he lost while he was sick plus an additional 2 pounds so good for him and he just did it like he's thriving so the vet said this is great. We just we have no idea how long it will last, but you should just enjoy it while it does. So that's my attitude. Ferris is having a good life, and I'm having a good life with him. And for those of you who have written in to ask, I just wanted to let you know um, he's back, at least for now. Please, <laughs> we got we got Ferris back on track. So oh, uh, that's fantastic news, Liz. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty exciting. <laughs> what else? Do, oh, the only other thing I want to mention, and then we got to go, is on last week's show. Uh, during our Oscars uh, conversation, Julie, you were on the show last week, correct?
0: Yes. Yes. The last show we did. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. I would just like to point out that apparently I was the only one in America that knew that Ang Lee was going to win Best Director, so... Uh...
0: Liz, it's, uh, it's amazing. You're really the only one that saw Life of Pi before the Academy Awards, so so that's how you knew. So that's great, Liz. You, you know, you should get your own
2: show. That's what I think. <laughs> well, you we don't what... need entertaining, Sheila. We have entertaining Liz.
1: It's just so funny because I couldn't watch the Oscars last Sunday because, of course, I had to be on a plane to fly halfway around the world. So it's Sunday morning now. I spent Saturday afternoon watching the Oscars. And you lose a little bit of the fun when you already know who all the winners are, but you can spend more time appreciating the, the stupid musical numbers and things. So I, I got through most of the Oscars yesterday afternoon, except that because the show ran long, my, my TiVo cut off. So I never, oh. I never got to see Best Picture.
2: Oh, that was a nice moment. Oh, well, YouTube it was. Yeah, that's what I did.
1: So I saw <laughs> I saw edited versions on YouTube, and uh, I'm happy for Ben, and, you know, Leon, I know you've always been a big Jennifer Garner fan from her. Yes, Alien I,
2: I have to say, I think she won, too, in terms of best dress, best hair. I thought she looked unbelievable. That dress was unbelievable.
1: Okay. Oh, yeah, the thing with the whole thing in the back. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so, um, well, you have a busy week this week, both of you, Leon. Um, you know, Know your speech, Julie, ditchingly in speech, so that's good.
2: (laughs) That's that's what sisters do, Liz. (laughs) As long as she can get me to the Manny Petty on time, Liz, I'm fine.
1: (laughs) The shuttle
2: service is leaving shortly. That's
0: right. We really can't talk more. She's pretty much booked for the afternoon, and then we have the whole prep before um, before the big um, neighborhood party.
2: Okay.
1: All right. Well, remember, uh, Satellite Sisters is on Facebook. We have a Satellite Sisters group. If you haven't joined there, please do. If you want to follow us on Twitter. It's at Sat Sisters at Sat Sisters, and I'm at SS Liz. Leon, you are at Leon Dolan, correct?
2: I am. I I switched. I switched. I'm just at Leon Dolan. And if I could ask, uh, if people are interested, I have an author page now on Facebook, and it's just Leon Dolan slash. What is it? Facebook Leon Dolan's author. as a, in addition to my personal page, but it'd be great if you could like that author page because I am going to be doing some ex, an excellent giveaway for the fir, for Elizabeth the First Wife, which comes out in May, my new book. It's a great giveaway, and it's going to start in a couple weeks, and it's going to be on the Facebook page. and And I know people are interested in the tour and where I'm going and where I'm going to be speaking and everything about the new book. I'm going to put on that author page on Facebook. So if you're on Facebook, just go over to slash Leanne Dolan author and like that page, and you'll get the updates.
1: Okay. All right. And you can always find us, of course, um, at SatelliteSisters.com. We post every show there, uh, but there are apps to listen to us. We're we're all over the place now. Okay. Sisters, uh, have fun the next couple of days. Thanks, Liz. Bye, Bye, Liz. Good luck with the various events. We are the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your satellite sister.